Start jump sequence terminates, Captain. Get the gravitational dampers online and open the blast aye, shield. Aye, sir. Bring us in closer. Aye, aye, sir. Moving us in on sublight drive. Extreme magnification. Aye, sir. The center of the galaxy. And there's our black hole. The experience of a lifetime, Captain. Let me put this on audio. You should be able to hear the magnetic resonance. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the event horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to the Event Horizon, where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time as we delve into the worlds of science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. I'm your host, Gene Turnbow. And I'm your other host, Susan Fox. And I am your third host, (laughs) uh, Charles Raven. And with us today are the creators of the Monster Scouts, Daniel and Donna Davis. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. We are, uh, we got, we met you guys at WonderCon. That was our first encounter with you and, uh. There was this big display. It said Monster Scouts. And it kind of hard to miss. And it, it's, it was just this, Amazing, fully developed thing that was that that had uh, uh, all of this marvelous imagery, and uh, my son looked at it and uh, was immediately captivated. And uh, just the more we dig into it, the more wow we find. So how awesome! Did it, how did all this start? Yeah, you didn't start out to to start a scouting organization. I think you started with an art website. Yeah, so um, when you guys saw us there, that was our um, 11th WonderCon in a row. Mm. Um, and we we started a brand called Steam Crow. And it's, uh, Steam Crow is this uh, our, our company based around, you know, friendly monster goods. And, uh, and we'd been doing that for years, doing the con circuit in the West Coast. And, uh, you know, slowly but surely growing our, our community and, and our, you know, what we were making. But we, we knew a few years into it that we were kind of a brand in search of a focus because steam crow doesn't mean anything really to anybody mm-hmm. and if you are a steampunk and you come to steam crow you're often disappointed because we're not really a steampunk company we have that influence in our veins but it's not what we are mm-hmm. and then if you didn't know what steampunk was you'd walk by and go oh that you know you'd look at steam crow and go oh that's steampunk and they'd walk by and uh so <laughs> so we're trying to solve that problem and uh and tie more story into everything we're doing. So about three years ago in the summer, uh, we were visiting my mom uh, on a farm in Deer Park, and we're living, we're staying with her on a, in a canvas tent that was glamping essentially. So this canvas tent with uh, furniture and it was on a, you know, a, a wooden, uh, like a, almost like a raft. It was a deck in the middle of a pine, you know, pine forest. And mm-hmm. we started, I, you know, this, with this idea, I'm like, Donna, what if we made some kind of weird little scouting fan club for Steam Crow? <laughs> and uh, we started drawing badges. And I thought, well, 
you know, this is kind of cool. Maybe it'll be like a rewards program for Steam Crow, you know, and we'll, what we, you know, being designers, we're, we're Dono is an art teacher for 17 years. I'm a graphic designer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we wanted it to be designed really interestingly and also different than Boy Scouts, right? That's important or Girl Scouts. Uh-huh. And so we decided on these hex, you know, well, let's just use a hex. That's a cool shape. And, you know, uh, I like the interlocking and, uh, badges. I, I like the way that you can just nest the badge, like you have the, the different top level badges. Uh, uh, banner badges, and you can nest uh, the little patches. badges underneath. The they're pack. called core patches. Core patches. Ah, yep, they're okay. the, yep, they're the core patches. So you can choose a core patch uh, to kind of tell us what kind of Monster Scout you are ah, from a uh-huh. Monster Medic to a Doom Mime to whatever. Um, so anyway, so we made these badges. Um, well, actually, we didn't even make any. We just drew some ideas and thought, oh, this is a clever idea, but what's our brand going to be? That's the real question. So um, when we started you know, doing some more shows that summer, when I saw a core Steam Crow person, somebody that had been with us for a long time, I'd go, hey, can I pitch something to you? What if we started a club that was like scouting for monsters? And it was called <laughs> Steam Crow Scouts mm-hmm. at that point because I didn't know what we were building. And I said, listen, if it's a bad idea, if this sounds like something you would hate, please tell me. You have the option to tell me. The thing you have to realize is that when Daniel creates anything, whether it's a print or a badge or anything, it has a huge backstory to it. So already in his mind, the scouts had had this huge backstory and believing in monsters. So all of this stuff kind of naturally fit into place and um, totally just worked in, you know, all by accident. And it was a very happy accident. Well, the accident was that people actually got behind it. <laughs> you know, um, you know, we've I've had lots of crazy ideas and things that we've invented and done along the you know along the years uh, from web comics to to we've done five books, a lot of different things. But once we launched the Scouts, we were instantly getting people. It became an entry point. Like it wasn't the the fan club that I thought I was going to have to get you in after you were a Steam Crow person for a year. But rather, it was hooking people from the beginning. Mm-hmm. But then it got more interesting. What happened next was, hey, I'd get an email from someone. Hey, I'll see you at the next con in my uniform. And I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. What uniform are you making? And they're like, uh, my Monster Scout uniform, dummy. And I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, and, and so I'm like, what does it look like? And they said, well, I took my Boy Scout shirt, and then I, you know, I – Got a black bandana and I have some goggles and I'm, you know, I'm rocking it. I'm like, oh wow, that's beyond my wildest dreams that you would do this. Uh, but also I'm like, oh, but, you know, trademark infringement. We can't stomp on the Boy Scouts. We got to stay clear of their, their trademarks, but okay, whatever. And I thought this was like, you know, the only time I'd ever have to answer this question. The next, <laughs> the next day I heard you know. it again. I heard it again and again. Several people were working on uniforms, and I couldn't believe it. But I knew that now – but they were all doing different things. Everyone was doing a different kind of scout mm-hmm. costume. And while that's cool, there would be no uniformity of our uniforms. So I, I said, hey, everybody, if you're making uniforms, stop. Don't do it anymore for a bit. And I rushed, and I made some uniform guides. And uh, and yeah, I had to like idea. come up with what they'd be immediately. So, uh, you know, I'm like, okay, a core crow is the the core of us, that everyone's a core crow scout. But there would be a monster medic because that mm-hmm. sounded cool, a scare force officer. I thought, oh, that's kind of funny. And um, I don't know, or another – there were one or two more at the very beginning. Um, oh, probably signal scout. 
a couple things, and I didn't really even have that much story, but I, I kind of made a uniform guide, and that was a really good choice. So at the first show then, a few weeks later, we had 26 people come to a rally that I didn't even want to set up, but one of our scouts was you know <laughs> behind the program, and he said, you should do a rally, and I'm like, no, nah, we're not going to do a rally. Why would we do that? Rally. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> So let's do a rally. So <laughs> a, a rally, a hundred people there it was amazing. The energy was great, and the thing to know is Donna and I were in bands. We met. We're both from bands. We we I played bass. She was a singer and guitarist. And when we met in the in the nineties, you know, we were both in bands at the same time. And I don't know about for you, Donna, but for me, when we did that rally, it was like the best show I'd ever had with, I was in bands for like 16 or 18 years or something. And there were two times when I had the crowd on our side, like we did with that rally. And every time we get the scouts together, it's like that every time. So it's, it's amazing. There's this energy, it's really positive and, uh, there's magic happening with these people. It's a lot more fun. Yeah, that but, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, I, yeah. Yeah. So, I think the magic is you guys. It's nah. just you've you've got lightning in a bottle here. <laughs> I don't know. I, it's it's the community, man. I mean, we could we could make all this stuff on our own, but if there was nobody partaking, no one getting into it, we would have nothing. You know, we would have moved on to another idea probably. But then the next thing happened is um, so we made some missions, and uh, that went over really well because the scout model has all these great things, you know, plugged into it already. Like when I had a web comic called Monster Commute, it. I tried to get a street team, right? I tried to like make flyers and get people to spread the word, and like two people did that. But, but with Monster Scouts, we made missions, and a whole bunch of people did the missions to help spread the word and all that. And then the next question came, which was, "Oh, Daniel, we have uniforms and scouts and a community, and uh, we had a meeting, uh, and we have missions. When when are we going to do camps?" And I was like, "Never! <laughs> you guys are crazy. How on earth am I going to do a camp?" Like, we do shows for a living. Like, we're on the road all the time. Uh-huh. I'm like, a camp? No way. And Donna, in the, you know, we've been together for, I don't know, like 19 years or something. Uh-huh. And she's never said, hey, Daniel, let's go camping. So uh, <laughs> I personally lived off the grid for high school because of my crazy parents. So I camped for four years in a row. So, I mean, I'm comfortable camping, but I kind of did a lot of it. So whatever. Uh-huh. But I ignored that. I said, yeah, that's cool, but we're not going camping. You guys are crazy and whatever. <laughs> And then people kept saying, we should do campouts. Well, do you do campouts? Let's camp. And I was like, I don't know. Okay. All right. So let's do a campout. And it wasn't that I was against it. It's just that, I, you know, if we're going to do something, we need to sh- surely try to make it meaningful, right? We need to make mm-hmm. it an experience, not just camping. So we rented a, a campsite here in Arizona and – um you know, we uh, planned some activities, some opening ceremony. We had ceremony, and and we did some weird stuff, and I summoned Marrow Thatch, the the pumpkin-headed founder of the Monster Scouts. And it turns out it was far more meaningful than anything we could ever do at a comic convention. And I was sold, man, after that first one because I was not <laughs> sure. I wasn't sure what was going to happen or how it would play out. I was sold. Like, this was amazing because, like, when it ended – People wouldn't leave the campsite. Like it ends, and they're in the driveway of the campsite for like another hour, just talking and having, you know, community. And uh, so that changed our whole our whole thing because now 
if you're going to have a scout group, you've got to do the camping part. But when you tell people that you really camp, it blows their brains out. They're like, whoa, that's crazy. And it is. <laughs> it is crazy. But it's been really awesome. And, and uh, we are all sitting over here grinning and laughing because uh, we're absolutely delighted <laughs> to hear about all this stuff because it's the kind of thing that you – you just, hey, listen, they're getting nerds away from yeah. their computers and away from the couch <laughs> and outdoors. It's just a delightful success story. I mean, this yeah. is just Thank wonderful you. stuff. This is magic in the making. Yeah, and uh, we stumbled on the term at WonderCon, nerds in nature, which I had never thought of. But that's a quick... <laughs> A quick way to pitch it to somebody. But yeah, I guess for us, you know, we've, we've made sure that we've tied in all the things that we love, right? Like I love early scouting. Turn of the century scouting looks amazing. I was a Cub Scout for a short time, but it was kind of taken away from me, uh, cause we moved and mm-hmm. I didn't really get to sink my teeth in it, which was kind of good because I think if I had become like a, a real Boy Scout or an Eagle Scout, I think I would have been really tuned to what Boy Scouts are and have a difficult time to make it anything but what Boy Scouts is. And so that's been really helpful. But, you know, we've been able to cook in, you know, all this uh, old-timey stuff and monster stuff that we're so passionate about and love. And uh, also it's a positive community. So, um, you know, we're helping monsters. And that was always one of my challenges with, you know, Steam Crow and, and so on. It's like I'm making this art that's cartoony monster art. Mm-hmm. But it's friendly. Like monsters are our friends is really the subtext of all the Steam Crow stuff I've made. And, uh, and so now, now it's just it, – it is what we are. A uh, little xenophile action here, you know, that that which is different is good. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a very positive message for, for our, our youth today. Yeah, and being misfits ourselves, and I mean that in a good way, like I was a D&D nerd in high school. I was in, I was even in a band in high school, and bands were super not cool to be in, which was We wouldn't know anything about that. I, I, I had a band in high school. So, awesome. Yeah. What was What was it called? Uh, Tycho Brahe. Oh. He was named after the, the astronomer. Awesome. Oh, nice. That's good. Mine was Winter Wolf with two Fs. Ah. Which is <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Why two Fs? <laughs> to make it different. To, to make it different. <laughs> because, I don't know, it's it, because I was 15 and silly. Yeah. Yeah, but, well, but, we were rubbish, too, you know. So. <laughs> I was in marching right. band. Right. I'm the wrong one to ask. <laughs> But for us, you know, um, I was that kid that was too shy to talk to anybody at the haunted house and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and so when I see those people at cons, you know, I make sure that, you know, I say hello to them and greet them because I realized, you know, we might be the first people to say hello to these loner kind of people. And so for us being, you know, having that door open for, for those folks, our folks is real important to us. So we've always been welcoming in that way. And the greatest thing, too, is that if, like, Monster Scouts seems too nerdy to you, you're generally the kind of person we don't want in the Monster Scouts anyway. So, you know, occasionally we've had the bros that go, oh, Monster Scouts, and, you know, and they <laughs> laugh. I'm like, that's awesome that you think that. So keep on thinking that. Yeah, because we don't want think you anywhere near this anyway. Go on thinking that over there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. God, how does the saying go? God bless them and keep them far, far away, away from, from us. us. <laughs> Yes. 
So, uh, so where did you get started artistically? What, what, what I see on your website has this wonderful 60s, uh, stylized, almost, you know, shag tiki aesthetic. But where, how does that become monsters? And, and where did you, where did you study? Did you study? If you studied sure. on, you know, TV, then that's, that's where you studied. So I, uh, as a child, I discovered monsters from um, Saturday morning, uh, Saturday afternoon creature features on TV. So you know, when I was a kid, they might show a Harryhausen film or or a kung fu movie or something, and I loved monsters. My mom, though, was very much a uh, wildlife nature kind of lady, and so she was always like, "You should draw." you know, like a robin or draw some horses. And I was like, I'll draw centaurs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Stuff. <laughs> so I have always, always loved monsters. And, uh, you know, Halloween was always the greatest thing ever because I got to be a vampire, you know, like six years in a row. And so it's always been in me, this this monster thing. And then in seventh grade, my family, my mom sent me to a Catholic school because my grades were so bad. I wasn't Catholic, mm. but I went there. And I went into the basement where the cafeteria was, and these kids had these dice that were funny shaped and clear. Nah. <laughs> and I was like, what is this? And they had some miniatures with monsters. I'm like, oh, this is d and I'm like, well, all right. And so I was super shy. to know anybody. I didn't care. I'm like, I'm, can I play? And I was playing. And then within a couple months, I was running the game. <laughs> that and I had yeah. discovered the greatest thing in the world. So – Anyway, so I, uh, of course, I drew and all that. And then uh, high school ended, and I went to school, and I lied to my family. Because my family, my mom was very artistic, but she didn't want me to be an artist. And so I had to lie to my family that's, that's and say, weird. well, I'm going to be that's an art weird. teacher uh-huh. so that I could take classes and take a lot of art classes mm-hmm. with no intent of being an art teacher. Because uh, unlike Donna, who's, who was an art teacher for 17 years, she's very generous. And me, I'm real selfish in that I like to draw what I want to draw for me and not – you know, I just knew it wasn't in me. Like, you have to have a special character to be a teacher. And I knew that I couldn't really cheat that. That would have been, you know, maybe not a good thing. So I went to school for that. But um, but in my senior year, you know, I, I went to school that didn't have an illustration program. It didn't have a design program. It had fine arts. So, mm-hmm. you know, sculpture and, and uh, you know, ceramics and painting and life drawing. And while I enjoyed all that stuff, all I wanted to do was draw giant cartoon monsters. But no one really – there wasn't really an opportunity to do that. So nobody I'm getting was to gonna, my – Nobody was going to hire you to do that, certainly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because nobody, nobody hired anybody to do that. No. Nah, nope. And I, you know, I was in Washington State, so I'd never even heard of anybody that had ever gotten a job uh, in the, you know, the movie industry or anything like that. So that mm-hmm. was a million miles away. So what happened was in my senior year, I got uh, I had a chance to apply to, for a T-shirt job at a T-shirt shop, and it was me telling I was supposed to tell another friend who went to the Art Institute to go, hey, tell him about this job, and my friend was awesome enough to say, hey, I'm going to apply, but I want you to apply too, and I'm like, what? And he helped me put together a portfolio, and I got the job, and he didn't. Oops. Whoa. Oops. No, we're still friends. He's he's a great guy, but yeah, That's he. So cool. uh, that push of his really made a huge difference. Uh, that was Brent Carey. And uh-huh. uh, anyway, we uh, – um, anyway, so what happened was as I worked as a and learned design from the ground up at these jobs, design jobs, I learned the vector style, which is the clean kind of style that you see. Oh, yes. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. 
and then what I do is I the thing is that I'm at odds with that style. That's a super modern, clean, uh, super sharp designs, you know, modern thing. But mm-hmm. I I always stick you know all these textures on top of it because I want it to be old and worn and vintage. So that's my story. It, it's uh, I have the same difficulty with it myself. Uh, vector style is something I I love the clean look. I can't draw it. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> So Donna, what's how did you get going? How did you uh, how did you become an artist, and why did you choose teaching well, as contrasted to production? Well, I grew up in the super like normal family. Um, I'm the daughter of an electrical engineer, and uh, my mom always worked in schools, but their their push for me was I needed to go to college. That was something that I had to do. And so I always drew. They always fostered my creativity, which was awesome. So every year at Christmas, like clockwork, I got new Prismacolors and a new sketchbook. And mm. it was awesome. So, But I went to school to be a physical therapist. Oh. Um Art. Okay. I I played music all through high school. I was in one band in high school. Um, we did not have a name because we we played a pig roast and that was it. <laughs> and then, um, uh, but uh, I took art classes, a few art classes, and I was so discouraged because I took beginning art in high school. And I was there to learn technique, and I was dying for technique. And my art teacher saw what I could do, and uh, we were drawing the people in class, and I could draw the people, but I couldn't draw feet, and I was having the worst time drawing feet, so I would leave those off. And she came over to me, and she says, you are doing fabulous. Uh, draw the feet, and I'm moving you to the advanced group. And I said, but I don't know anything. And she goes, you know plenty. You just need to go up. And so what happened was I ended up in this advanced group and I got no more help. And so my skills kind of languished. And so I decided I'm going to college to be a physical therapist. And so I got to college, got a job as an RA, and I ended up helping teach a class uh, with my hall director. And I loved teaching and I thought it was great. And I ended up switching my majors. Um, my parents were like, are you sure you want to do that? You want to be a teacher? And I was like, yeah. So I picked history as my main major mm-hmm. because I thought I would get a job as a history teacher way before I would be hired as an art teacher. But I took art classes to keep myself sane. And I applied for art classes even when I was doing my physical therapy program because I knew I needed some sort of other, I needed that other half of my brain to be stimulated in order to survive. And it ended up that I graduated and three weeks later I got hired as an art teacher and I taught art ever since. So um, it kind of fell in my lap. But even through my high school, not my high school, but my college career, I had one teacher who really fostered my skills and the rest of the, the rest of the teachers were more draw what you feel, paint what you feel. They weren't focused on technique. And so when I became an art teacher, my, my art class became all about technique because I was dying for that, learning how to be a better watercolor teacher. And that's the hard part about being an art teacher is that you have to know everything. So you know you really a little bit about everything and you never get that chance to really like sit down and master gouache or, or, uh, acrylic or pencil because you're not given that time. So I, I developed this great 
I was a, a program builder for the, the four different schools that I ended up working for. And I've taught every grade from kindergarten to 12th grade. And uh, I loved it, loved it. But it really, really, my skills didn't become focused or better until I met Daniel. And Daniel was the one who pushed me because until then I had nobody pulling me aside and saying, hey, try this, try this, try this. Daniel was the first one. So when we met, then things went way better. It's uh, it's the curse of the uh, the curse of the the art um, curse of the artists. Uh, I, you know, I'm trying to I'm fishing for a phrase here, and I don't have one. But artists, <laughs> what I'm trying to describe is that uh, when you are an artist, uh, it's almost impossible to find a teacher who actually knows anything. I mean, they, yeah. they're they're very they might be very good as artists. And, uh, but not very good at conveying, uh, to others how they do what they do because they well, haven't analyzed bum- their own. How does a bumblebee f- know how to fly? Yeah. I mean, you can't explain it. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, yeah. yeah but knowing a tech, as you say, a technician is a different thing than an artist. I, I've studied under, uh, Carl Ganass and Glenn Vilpoo. And both of them were wonderful, wonderful teachers. And then I studied under Angelo Labuti, uh, mm-hmm. who was a Disney uh, animator and artist. And he was, from the age of 16, he worked in the same building with the nine old men. And uh, while he was very good at drawing, he was absolute rubbish at teaching process. <laughs> you know, like... Do, like, uh, uh, do this. Why... Why do your drawings end up running off the paper? Well, it's because you haven't laid out your landmarks first, you know, so that you know where your composition is going to be. You haven't planned it out. You haven't done the steps in the right order. You know, he was rubbish at teaching that sort of thing. And that's, uh, I think, probably 90% of the art teachers have the same problem. They don't understand how they do what they do. They just somehow uh, have been drawing since they were four and they have just absorbed it and they don't know why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I became the exact opposite of that and really tried to, to focus on giving my students a really strong foundation mm-hmm. and, and having them find their voice. Subject matter didn't matter as much to me as them being able to articulate how to do a good composition and how to pick out a color scheme and then how to lay out their images so that it didn't run off the page and and mm-hmm. and then how to use that you know let's learn marker like when the copic markers became popular my advanced students were like hey we have these and i knew nothing about them i had never <laughs> used them uh-huh. and so i was like you guys need to teach me we're going to order some of this stuff so let's learn together so i was also one of those who was like I would jump in head first and say, let's learn this. But through the mistakes we made, we recovered and, and they taught me things and I got to teach them things. And I thought they were, and this is my bias, but I felt like my students coming out of my advanced classes were so much more creative and so much, they were more willing to take a risk and put some original work out mm-hmm. there rather than just, you know, looking at a picture and copying it and reproducing it exactly is an amazing technical skill. But that's not that's only one tiny aspect of being an artist. You need to be able to, you know, create something from nothing. And 
and my students who didn't win a lot of awards but made the most creative, wonderful things ever I was so proud of. So. Well, and uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, the job of the artist is not to be a camera. <laughs> we have cameras for that. And right. Photographers. Yeah. We, yeah. And, and photographers. Uh, it, it's, uh, uh, the well, job we do of the now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the art, the artist is, uh, uh, the artist's job is to interpret. But yeah, it was amazing to see these art shows for the, these high school because it was dominated by just that reproduction of pop culture icons photographically, you know, mm-hmm. and that won every time because it was really clear this is good win, mm-hmm. you know, so those were always winning. And, and while, like Donna said, the technical skill was good, it's just one part. Yeah. And it's, uh, you look at these images and you, you say, you, uh, can clearly recognize that while their, their technique might be excellent, they're not doing much in the way of, uh, processing the information that led to the design of the, the image in the first place. They're just, they couldn't design something. their own. Yeah. They couldn't design their own if they had to. Right. Right. The great thing is, is that a lot of my students still find me at, they're all nerds too. And they come mm-hmm. to Comic-Con and they all find me. <laughs> uh-huh. And a lot of them, like when they left my class, they had a journal that they could refer to, to help them with their composition or color or whatever. And a lot of them kept that journal, but a lot of them also said that when they went on to art school, they were more prepared than a lot of the other students because they had already done some of the techniques and or just touched on the techniques of like life drawing and things like that. So they they already had a little one up on the other students and they really enjoyed being in class more because they were like, hey, this is Miss D actually taught us something. So this is great. Yep. Yep. That, and that makes all the difference. You gave them the tools they needed to to and the foundation they needed to really excel. And yeah. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if your students went on to do great, great things because Monster Scouts is so amazing. I, we have been looking at, uh, we've been looking at all of the stuff in the Monster Scouts and every time, uh, every time we think we found, okay, this is, this is as detailed as it gets and we, you, you burst it open and there's like this whole little world inside of each, each new aspect you dig up. It's one yeah. going down the rabbit hole. Yeah, <laughs> it is a big rabbit hole. But <laughs> the problem is, all these hole. all these artistic people are going to make their own stuff and not buy as much of yours. Or well, is no, that a real danger? Think... Oh, I don't know. I, the thing is, they you know the rule is they can make their own bag if they want to, or buy their own bag or whatever. But you know, once they kind of learn the culture of well, if we support these guys, then they are able to do more. They tend to support us. So. Um, yeah, I don't ever want to make it punitive, like, you must do this and you must do that, but, but yeah, you know, um, some things we reserve, like, I mean, if somebody starts manufacturing their own badges, that's not great, because that's kind of what we do, but, but yeah, it's been good so far, you know, they've been respectful and, and really, frankly, awesome, so yeah, it's... Well, and it, if, if they make their own badge, then it's a badge that's not recognized in the uh, in the Monster Scout system. So it has right. actually less value. It, there's actually a, a disincentive to do that. So sure, yeah. but there are people that are making artistic, like art badges. Like Danny mm-hmm. Bell is one of our members, and she makes felted, handmade 
badges and they're like, you know, they're big. They're like mm-hmm. three, four inches across. That doesn't infringe on us in the least. Like it's so great to see what she's creating and she's adding to our culture. So yeah, it, it, there's room, there's definitely room for everyone to play and we, we want to allow that for, for certain. It's, well, the scouts are sure getting enthusiastic about the Kickstarter. Oh yeah, the Kickstarter. It, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, that's been pretty unbelievable. So, uh, I'll, I'll back up a little bit. This is our second Scouts Kickstarter. A couple of years ago, we did our first one uh, in, in 2015. And basically what it was was at the beginning of the Scouts, we had prototype badges. They were laser-etched leather badges. Yeah, we've seen a couple of we, them. They're we have a couple nice. of them. They're beautiful. Yeah, they're great. But the oh. problem was is that my source for those was didn't work out. Like they were a little flaky and we needed Ooh. them in a certain date and all this. And they ended up leaving us in a lurch for a really important show. Oh, no. And yeah, and that was a real problem. We didn't own a laser. We live way up in North Phoenix, so there's no uh, maker spaces around us, mm-hmm. and we were kind of stuck. And so we stumbled on this uh, this other source of woven badges, just kind of last minute. And we thought, man, we maybe this is the solution. But you know, when we talked to our scouts and everything, they were like, well. Yeah, I'll I'll get your new ones, but I'm you know I'm excited about these leather ones. I'm not gonna like your your new ones. I'm like okay, well that's I don't know what else to do. Mm. So we did a Kickstarter to convert the existing leather badges to cloth, and that was a seven thousand mm-hmm. dollar bill to do that. Mm. And so we didn't have seven thousand dollars sitting around, so we did this Kickstarter, and it did right. I think seventeen thousand dollars. Oh my! Wow. Well, and so, you get color. <laughs> So, well, yeah, color turns out um, pretty much every one of those people that said they weren't going to like the badges, once they got the color ones, told me they really liked the color ones too. Mm-hmm. So um, so for me, that was a test though. I wasn't – it wasn't that I wasn't sold on the idea, but I wasn't sure that – I thought maybe, you know, maybe this is 30 people that are really loud, you know. And <laughs> uh-huh. uh, But once I saw that Kickstarter, I realized – and this was even before our first camp – uh, that this was maybe something real, like you know, like holy baloney! How did this happen? Our you know our biggest Kickstarter before that was I think seven thousand dollars. So anyway, that was that was it. That was amazing. So um so now you know now that we did this Kickstarter uh, uh one currently which has like a uh, a camp cup and you know a special badges for this year like membership badges of a. Uh, Copper Goblin, Silver Sasquatch, mm-hmm. Golden Owl Bear, Platinum, Platinum Vampire. So the idea is that we could do a, a membership drive every every year with a new you know a new set of these badges, and people could kind of support us in NPR style, so that we could you know continue to develop the Scouts and maybe you know spend more time on it because um, it's real difficult to keep developing all this while we're on the road all the time doing Comic Cons. And uh, yeah, so this Kickstarter funded in uh, like eight hours. Um, <laughs> yeah. Holy cow! Yeah, um, yeah, and we've had really impressive. great luck. I'm at the time, yeah. at the time of this recording, we've just crossed twenty one thousand. Yeah, and it seems just seems like you're you're going to have to make some new badges <laughs> for stre- the- more stretch goals. That's all I've been doing is designing badges because that's the secret of this Kickstarter. Is the Kickstarter is yeah we're going to be making a handbook. And these badges and this cup, but really what we're doing is we're funding a massive order of badges that I'm designing right now so that we have new badges for the next whole year. So it really helps us, you know, being a tiny micro business to, to survive and also gives us all this fodder that we can, you know, slowly release and, and, and also it's really great to have all these 
backstock designs to go, hey, we're going to do this event or this special thing. Let's use this badge, you know, that that we designed that we weren't sure what it was for when we did it. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so you know, we've had great luck with our Kickstarters. We have, you know. Uh, I, I can't even express how grateful I am for these people. But, you know, when we – our last Krampus Kickstarter, which was at Christmas, it funded in 15 minutes. But it's <laughs> – Krampus Kickstarter. Oh, Jeez yeah. Louise. So it was the Krampus Collection 2 is what it was called because uh-huh. we do a Krampus thing every year uh-huh. too. And the thing is that funded in 15 minutes. But the goal for this Kickstarter that took eight hours was ten times bigger. It was – the Krampus had a thousand dollar goal. It was real simple. It was just mm-hmm. a T-shirt and you know a a patch, a badge. And this is this was ten times bigger and it funded in eight hours. So we didn't we weren't sure. I mean we can't take anything for granted, right? So we don't know that any Kickstarter is going to succeed even. But but it was a big relief when that thing finally you know we we within uh, eight hours when, it goes. Yeah, it's 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 at that point that you start to realize, hey, everything's going to be okay. Yeah, yeah. And for me, I'm, you know, I, I can stress about this stuff too much. And, and like running a Kickstarter is super stressful. So I typically do short, we do really short Kickstarters. Like the first one was a week, a month, but then we've, and maybe the first few were a month long, but then we started paring them down to like, you know, 14 days. And then our Krampus one was seven days long. And, you know, this one I wish I could have made seven days long just so, you know, uh, so we don't have to keep on beating everyone over the head with the Kickstarter, right? There's, as, for a whole month, if I go, please support my Kickstarter, it's the worst thing to hear, and I hate saying it. So that's why we've really tried to get our scouts to be part of that messaging, you know? Mm-hmm. So we made a mission for them that they can earn a free double badge called the White Crow. And uh, and so they're doing a lot of the work. And, it, again, it isn't avoidance of work for us. It's just that – the same the, the people that are going to hear us yell supporters Kickstarter have likely yeah. already supported the Kickstarter so it's about respect sure yeah it's about boosting the signal and it's about making people feel uh, a part of the the Monster Scout family you yeah know, and, and appreciate it you know again yeah. if I you know beat that drum forever it's it's not it's not respecting them so much so this one's twenty one days long so it's it's shorter than most Kickstarters but. Still a little long, but some of our, we did a survey and there are some people who are like, man, I really want to do it, but I'm not going to get paid until X date. So three weeks really helped. So we, we, uh, compromised and made it, you know, a little longer for them. So, but it's all, yeah, it's amazing. We, we're, it's already kind of exceeded our wildest expectations because we're like, well, you know, if we make it, that's superb and we're moving on and it's done twice as that, you know, it's double that. So. And, yeah. and our, when does it our, go to? Uh, it goes till May fourteenth. Fourteenth, that was it. Yeah, and I think I sup- I think that it's like May fourteenth at like one oh one a.m. So it really ends May thirteenth, mm. I think. Because I start <laughs> one of the little techniques we use, which is goofy, is that uh, I like a big start, right? Because that just gets the stress out of the way. So we start at like one, you know, like twelve oh one a.m. is when we start the Kickstarter. So day mm-hmm. one is twenty four hours instead of like maybe eight or ten. So what that means is it ends at a real goofy time too, like at midnight. <laughs> but um, but again, it served us fine. So now, when you say that, it sounds like you are like performing or or just uh, continually on social media the entire time for twenty four hours. Or what do you? What does that mean exactly? Oh, you mean for the when we launch? Yeah, yeah. 
Well, yeah, I mean, we, it's not really 24 hours. What the, the, you know, the, the couple weeks leading up to it, we build up this expectation, this excitement. And then what we did is two hours before the Kickstarter launch, we did a live stream where we, we, you know, we talked to our people directly and answered questions and got them all excited. But then, you know, at one o'clock in the morning after it launched, we just gave up and passed out. <laughs> so. That's but yeah, awesome. for the whole, but for the whole month, it's kind of your, you know, it's a big part of your life is, you know, trying to keep the thing alive and all that. But whatever, we're we're past worrying about it. If it ended tomorrow, I would be thrilled with how well it's done. So, <laughs> Charlie is trying to communicate to me, and I don't know what he's saying. I don't know sign language. Sorry, I don't either. Uh, Why don't you just ask a question? Uh, it's kind of off topic. Hmm. That's well, okay. Ask your question anyway. Okay. Uh, uh, what is your favorite monster, both of you? My favorite monster has always been the bride. So the bride from uh, the Bride of Frankenstein. She is she's so short lived, fifteen minutes of life, but so stylish and so unique and just breathtaking. And so she's my all time favorite. But my second favorite one is. The creature from the Black Lagoon. I love him and his scales and just the whole costume is just absolutely beautiful. So those are my two. I have a, a few. Um, Minotaur from uh, Sinbad, who's the brass mechanical Minotaur, mm, ah, is a big yes. one for me. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I love uh, Nosferatu and Dracula myth. So mm-hmm. Draculas are always real big with me. Um, you know, creatures from the black lagoon creatures and uh i don't know like i uh, also marrow thatch being a halloween golem so this clockwork golem with a pumpkin head he's very he's one of my favorites because he's a halloween guy uh all kinds of monsters really um but those are probably my tops yeah the the uh the vampire one that that goes back to your original uh, love of halloween and playing a vampire for six years in a row yeah, absolutely. And then when I saw the movie Nosferatu, then I was like, oh, that's something else. The most disappointing Nosferatu story, I'll tell you, it'll be very short, is that it was Halloween at my last place of work and everyone was dressing up. So I thought I would come as a Nosferatu, but I'm a little chubby because mm. I'm sitting behind a mm-hmm. computer all the time. So I show up and everyone's like, hey, it's Fester, good Fester costume. Mm. So I don't get to play Nosferatu anymore because I've got to be a, like skeleton thin. Yeah, so that's my, yeah, that's, that's my sad. That's the thing about that is the thing about all too successful. Yeah. <laughs> well, you uh, see, yeah. it's it's when the vampires open a weight loss. <laughs> thing. You, they they have the old yeah. There's old, that new fad diet. The posh the posh women coming in and yeah, you know a pint's a pound. The, the Hollywood <laughs> the Hollywood blood diet. No, no. Daniel actually asked our doctor. He told him that he thought that by donating blood, it would be really good to lose weight. This was a great method, and he asked him about it. No, it totally makes sense. (laughs) Don't you think? It's got to take a lot of resources to make blood. Yeah, yeah. You'd think. Uh, You know, I've. Uh, the, the only Nosferatu story I've got is. Oh no! <laughs> no oh no. yes! Don't let him do it! No! <laughs> no! No! A young village boy is rewarded for his kindness to his fellow villagers when they <laughs> collaborate on a fund to get him the facial prosthesis he needs to make his life whole again in a nose for Atu. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> 
Yay. <laughs> yeah. That was a horrible one. Yeah, yeah. I've just I, I wait for oh. opportunities to trot that chestnut out. Well, that's why and we then did. and then somebody drives a stake through it every time. I don't get every it. Stop. <laughs> yeah, but it's Stop. a T-bone stick. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So, um, uh, the Kickstarter is doing very, very well, and uh, you have this tremendous. Um, you've been doing this for over a decade now, and at what point did you realize that you could actually? Uh, Make a living at it. <clears throat> yeah, cut cut the cut the anchor, you know, and fly free with it. What at what point did you make that realization? Well, we we started in two thousand and six. So WonderCon two thousand and six was our very first con. Um and both of us were still working full time. Mm-hmm. And then uh let's see, Daniel worked for five six years yeah six more years of basically spending you know we had day jobs and then we would spend all the rest of the time that we could be awake working on the business and we had a two-year-old at the time yeah Mm. so that was that was hard as well and uh a long commute too at the beginning of it and there's a certain point again uh around uh, again i don't know three four years ago that uh it was like I couldn't even keep up with just all the communication with our tribe, you know, with this, with what we're going to become scouts to, uh, you know, just to keep things going. And so, you know, if the store went down, I would have to stop working and fix our store, you know, because somebody right. couldn't, and, and it was becoming a real problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I told him he had to quit. <laughs> yeah. So I said, one of us needs to quit and do this full time because we can't, we can't both have day jobs anymore and and run this business and be functional. But uh, so we did that, and that was scary as heck. But um, we, you know, we added more shows, which then created a new problem: is that Donna was, you know, full time teacher, so we would have to go and do a show. Like she would get off school, and we would like have to jump in the car and drive, you know, uh, long hours to get to the show, set up, and then do the show and then the show ends at you know let's say six or five on sunday it takes us a few hours to break down we're on the road by 10 at night we drive back to phoenix and she you know gets no sleep at all and then has to teach what a slog and we did that a whole bunch uh well she did that a whole bunch and it was it was very difficult and so a couple years ago i think we finally Got you to join us. I've been free. It'll be three years officially at the end of, oh, this month, May. So I've been free Congratulations. for three years. So. Thank you. So, again, this all even predates the Scouts, which is really the, the magic sauce for us. So, um, so yeah, it's it's been a hard thing. But I knew that um, that this needed to be something we do together. At the uh, onset, at least, we had that much we had that much going for us that I said, you know, Donna, this can't just be my business. It has to be us together. And, mm-hmm. um, that, that, that really made it possible because, you know, we're, it's hard and you're busy all the time and all that. But the benefit is, you know, now we're together all the time. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, that's been pretty good. Now it's, 
It's really good. Um, it's the nice thing was was creating Steam Crow was a great compliment to my job because I got to meet so many professionals from you know from Sony to DreamWorks to Sesame Street Workshop to Pixar. We've gotten to tour Pixar. We've gotten to tour Funko. We've gotten to meet all these professionals and talk to these professionals. And I got to come back to my classroom and tell my students that you didn't have to be dead in order to be an artist and make a living. You can do this while you're alive. And here are the wacky jobs that you can get. And so every time I went to a con, when I came back, it was show and tell. So Mm -hmm. I would have new comic books or prints or business cards or photos. And I would explain to my students the different types of jobs that they could do as an artist. And it was up to them to do the work, though. They had to do the work in order to Mm -hmm. get there. But it was a great compliment, and it was – I used all my sick days to travel to cons, and my principal knew it. (laughs) And I walked in one time, and I said, I'm taking an extra day. I'm touring Pixar. And she goes, yes, you are. (laughs) And signed my papers, and I was like, this is the best. (laughs) <laughs> so um, it was great, and it, it it came as no surprise when I finally came in and said, um, "I'm not signing my contract. I, it's time for me to go." Mm-hmm. And now, and now we're finally, you know, able with the scouts to pull Donna's teaching ability into the Monster Scouts. So she teaches how to do witch stitches, and she, we use, you know, we utilize her teaching skills to. To, you know, teach crafts and art to our people, and so that's an amazing thing because she's really great at it. And uh, so when she does a craft at our campouts, at our shindigs, you'll see, most often you'll see almost everybody at the whole camp gathered around, you know, watching what's going on. And so um, that's, you know, that's one of our little secrets is we try to cook in the things we're passionate about or the things we're good at into scouts, even if it doesn't make sense, you know, on the onset. We invent a reason for it to be in there. I was wondering, what are witch stitches? So witch stitches is the magic in the that uh, the scouts use. So there is a branch called the Conjure Guard, and those are our witches and warlocks. And to to provide protection and to all of our scouts and our monsters, we do what is called uh, protective stitches. And I'm drawing from actual history. There are such things. Um, huh. The Vikings used some. The Japanese used it on the back of kimonos. Um, the uh, most uh most of these cultures believe that the very act of making something by hand creates an intent and creates a spell that is powerful when you give it to the person and so just you don't have to say any crazy words or do anything you can just make something and give it and that has power in it to protect them or to wish them well or to do whatever and so i use this inspiration to create all these stitches and we have um, – there's an order to it and you you put these spell glyphs on and they, they're for protection of your mind, body, or spirit or the camp. There are different focuses. You develop your own personal stitch. Like I have a personal stitch at the end because you need a focus. You need somewhere for these spells to go. So every scout gets to develop their own stitch and, and I'm here to help them with it. And uh, there's no wrong way to do the stitch. And uh, people have just gone off and created their own, and we practice in an actual book on paper. And you can sew them, you can draw them, or anything. But it's our magic. It all is magic. That's the 
that's the great thing about the Monster Scouts. <laughs> uh, we have absolutely adored having you with us. Oh, there's one more thing I wanted to mention, and that was the music <laughs> the music that goes with this. We have this wonderful album that we got from you. It is highly authentic 60s folk as from the point of view of of monster scouts and and people who love monsters. Yeah, Klein Redback. Yeah, that's the one. And uh that has already been getting some airplay on Krypton Radio by. Oh way. man, thank you guys. I think that that's amazing. Thank you so much for doing that. Yeah, we uh, we like everything on the album. It's just we just threw the whole thing into our play wheel. So, <laughs> oh, superb. That's great news. Now, who is I'll Klein t- Redback really? Is that you? Is that somebody else? That is not me. Klein Redback uh is uh our friend Mike Marshall who's a musician and uh he uh we we <laughs> he's been a pal for a long time plays D&D with me basically and uh uh you know we put out a badge called Song Scout and it was a challenge for you to go write a song about the Monster Scouts and share it with our community and if you do that uh, and follow directions of where to share it um you'll get a badge for that for free um, because you put a lot of work and time into it and because we thought man wouldn't that be great to get people to write a song well Mike Wrote a whole album. Well, well, Mike, yeah, said, hey, Daniel, I, I <laughs> like got something to share with you. Like and I was like, what? Uh, so I thought, oh, Mike wrote a song. But then he, he had us come over to his house and sit us all down, and we sat there, and he played the whole album. I'm a Monster 2. And then uh, my, my when and then we got to uh, My Name is Scout, and like I teared up because that song meant a lot to me. And he went through, basically, and read all the lore that existed and then took – some of the story scouts, like some of the scouts mentioned in the in the album, mm-hmm. are from other people's stories that they wrote oh, up to cool. earn their story scout badges. So he did a tremendous job, and uh, so when he he presented this to us, he's like, "Well, you can do anything you want with this. What do you want to do with this? I'm just giving this to you." And I said, "Well, how about we make? How about we help you get the word out about your album? Because Mike isn't really probably a he's not mm-hmm. a big self promoter kind of guy." And I said, "Well, how about you know we'll." You know, we come from bands. We would, we, we miss that we could never, you know, we've never had a successful band, you know, and so Synchro is our band really. Mm-hmm. And so we said, well, let's partner together and we'll, we'll try to help, you know, help you get this album out. And, and, uh, so we partnered on it. So that's awesome. Yeah. What a great story. I did not know that that came out of, wow. I mean, it's the inspiration that, uh, uh, that the monster scouts have become. Uh, it's, it's sort of, um, fandom's stone soup. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, I mean, it's remarkable to us. I mean, we didn't think anyone would ever even dress up. So let alone write an album and, and be a part of this with us. And actually, you know, like it's, you know, we, I don't know, it's kind of meaningful for some of these people and that's so great, you know, so. They spoil us rotten. Yeah, absolutely. They, they really do. And, uh, we have, I, it is the best fun. Shindig is so much fun because it's so much more meaningful than being there for like five minutes at a con. We get to sit and have tea with them. I get to sew with them and they're so creative and so helpful and awesome with each other and positive. And I, I couldn't have asked for a, a happier accident to have happened. What a great life. Well, the yeah. next time you're through L.A., you know, we'll, we'll, you know, we can put a roof over your head. 
Oh, All right. Awesome. You can earn a surf host badge. We have a badge for oh, that. There's, yeah. a, there's a badge How about for everything. That? You buy them tea, there's a tea badge. <laughs> there actually is. Well, See? Yeah. Ladies yep. and gentlemen, we have been speaking with the creators and instigators of this marvelous phenomenon called Monster Scouts. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And you can go to monsterscouts.com to check it out. You have been listening to episode 168 of Krypton Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for May 6th, 2017, with your hosts Gene Turnbow and Susan Fox. Our guests this week have been Daniel and Donna Davis, who own the art studio Steamcrow at steamcrow.com, and who are the creators of the remarkable phenomenon known as the Monster Scouts, currently on Kickstarter. For more information, please visit monsterscouts.com. If you like liked this week's episode and you would like to hear more of them, please visit patreon.com slash krypton radio and chip in. There is no national public radio fund coming to our rescue each month. That comes from you, the listeners, directly. We also support advertising and gladly accept sponsorships, but most of our money for keeping the station lit comes from you. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The navigator was Christine Cherry. The science officer was science fiction illustrator Mark Schurmeister. The engineer was Christian B. McGuire. And the captain was voiced by none other than legendary writer Larry Niven. This program and its contents, except those parts obviously owned by others, is copyright 2017 by Krypton Media Group Incorporated. The Event Horizon. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi.